Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. Good morning, Citizen Heights. Go ahead and uh, wrap up that amazing conversation you were having. Find your way back to your seat and uh, just bookmark that conversation. Say, let's continue this when we uh, when we wrap up here in a few moments, because uh, the people meeting, you know, one another, the friendly encounter, and then the sharing of where you're at in life. That is what church is all about. Having family with you and. Uh, we are a family, amen? So it's good to be part of a family. Good to have our uh, online campus with us today. Wherever you're viewing church from, you're a special part of what God is doing at Citizen Heights. So uh, give yourself a screen name, join the conversation, and uh, let's expect God to do something big today. You got your Bibles today? Uh, we're a church that believes the Bible, loves the Bible, believe God speaks to us through the Bible, um, and reveals himself through the Bible. And so if you have your Bible with you, uh, I'm going to ask you to join us in Romans chapter 12. And uh, beautiful baby dedications today, Ezekiel and uh, Q. And uh, just uh, the beginning of uh, the holiday season here. And you saw a lot of the outreaches that we're doing throughout the next few months. And uh, a lot of ways to get involved, a lot of opportunities to make a difference. So I'd encourage you, go ahead and... Uh, Hop on the website, citizenheights.com, or get the app. And don't miss out on any of the special events or avenues, opportunities that we have. 150 of those, what are the boxes? Operation Christmas Child. 150 of those boxes were prepared. So way to go, church. Just cheering you on, celebrating your generosity. And now we go into a new season where we help uh, families of of those who have been incarcerated, which is a lot more personal approach that we have to connecting to families and, and blessing children. And, uh, of course, we've got the Christmas angel tree thing. Is that starting today? That's starting today. There, it's all starting today. And uh, your life can have a big impact over the holidays. Don't miss out on the joy of generosity. Amen. All right, so let's go ahead. You have Romans 12. I gave you a moment to get there. Uh, we're continuing a series entitled Life Traps. And Life Traps is, a, a, is about escaping the past and the patterns that hold us back. How many want to get free of a few things today? And, and the visual uh, and the graphics of this series are really, you know, each week it's a different trap. And the traps aren't especially elaborate. Uh, but when a trap gets you and holds you, um, a lot of times when it comes to the, the things we've been discussing, you don't even know you're... You don't even know that you've been ensnared. You don't even know that you've been trapped. You've just kind of been living a lifestyle and a pattern of being held back. So we've been looking at how our histories, uh, each of your histories are unique, right? And, but looking at how your history uh, can result in a pattern of belief. Something that happened to me, something that happened to you in your past, all of a sudden results in a pattern of belief that leads you into unintended cycles of dysfunctional living. And so we've been looking at Romans 12 too. I gave you a moment to get there. Our team will put this up on the big screen so you can read along. Of course, as always, if you have the Citizen Heights app, 
uh, you can you can look at our discussion notes and I'll just tell you right now I'll, there's a lot of content today so we're good students right oh let me <coughs> we're good students right <laughs> and so there's a there's a lot of content and I, if you're like me I need to hear it and see it simultaneously and uh, if you're like that open your app and we've, we're going to put some of the lists and some of this content on the big screen, but it was almost too much. So just fair warning, using the app, you'll see a lot more of the content. If, and, and if that helps you, I wanted you to know about it in advance. But let's read Romans 12 too. Let's establish our, our foundation. It, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Say pattern but be transformed by the renewing of the mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, his perfect will. How many want to know what God's will is? How many want to know and have a confidence that you're walking in God's will? I met with a young man this uh, past week, and he's stepping into a new season of his life, one that would typically be filled with anxiety and some stress and some Oh, I don't know what's next because it's big change. And I said, how are you doing? And he, he said to me, it's a big step, but I know it's God. And you could see the confidence in his heart knowing that, you know, I can do anything if I know God has called me into it. And I can get through anything if I know God called me through it. And just having that confidence, is this God's will? It's one of the number one questions people ask is, how do I discover God's will? Well, this tells us that if we're conforming to the pattern of, of the world around us and the history that's activated against us, you're going to miss out on some of that. But if you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, and notice this is a mind game. This is a battle for your mind. This is, where the, this is the battleground. It's in your mind. And if you allow God to transform it, it says you'll be able to test and approve and know God's will and you'll see that God's will is good and you'll see that God's will is actually fulfilling and pleasing and you'll actually uh, walk into his perfect will that is his his perfect plan that completes you and matures you so this Romans 12 2 sets up a, a juxtaposition of two paths in life in, in your life and my life where we come to a crossroads and this is not all paths lead to the same result this is one is you're conformed and dysfunctional and limited. The other is you're transformed and you know God's will. You trust God's will. You walk in God's will. So it, it, when we look at these two pathways, it's really easy to decide who, what we want, isn't it? I mean, we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and walk in God's will. So really, we have to start with what are the patterns? Like if I... if, if if the choice is to be transformed rather than be conformed to the, these patterns, what are these patterns? Where do these patterns come from? Well, we've been calling them life traps. And these patterns, these dysfunctional cycles that we, that we inadvertently get into, they typically begin by something being done to us, something that w was done by us, something that was kind of withheld from us. Um, that results in a moment where we felt uh, like a critical um, abandonment, sense of abandonment, or, or felt uh, 
criticized or felt devalued or felt abused or felt excluded or felt um, deprived in some major way that you need in your childhood. So you needed it, it was withheld from you or something was done to you or a decision made by you to, to affirmative, uh, a positive affirmative action committed by you. And what happens is our response to that moment and the resulting ideas and thoughts from the experience, they become part of us. They become a, a part of how you think. That's why it says, by the renewing of your mind, you're transformed. But by the, by the conforming and distorting of your mind because of this situation that hurt, occurred or something that happened in your past, you adopt a pattern of belief. And so I want to introduce a, a, a statement to you that will kind of help. I know we're in week four or five on this series, but this is, this is a, a statement that will kind of help you, I hope gives you a handle for the, the thought of life traps and, and what goes with it. And here's the statement. My life traps are my responses to other people's actions or inactions that have resulted in my beliefs. You hear me now? Now, the key word, if you are looking at this statement, is, is my, right? We can't, we can't t assume the position of victim. We cannot assume the position of, well, it was done to me by others, and here I sit. You know, no, no. God has given you agency. God has given you grace to step beyond what others do and step into the restoration of what God wants to do. So we don't sit and, and remain in that because my life traps are my responses. Hello? Well, they did it. It was other people's actions or inactions. Yeah, but it was my responses to those actions and inactions that have resulted in my beliefs. They can't get me out of this. Nobody else can get me out of this. It's only me responding to the grace of God and the, the urgings of the Holy Spirit that get me beyond this. Are we on the same page? So if you lived in a dysfunctional environment as a child, you'll be drawn to a dysfunctional environment to recreate the familiarity of your childhood. That's the trappings of this. Because if you were, if, if you were raised in a somewhat un abnormal normal, it's amazing the uh, neuroplasticity of, of humanity. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we adapt to some pretty dysfunctional things. And we survive some pretty destructive things. But the danger is sometimes it leads us to accepting a lie, a seed that, uh, that we think about ourselves or about the world, about God, and it ends up becoming a mindset that traps us. So that lie becomes a trap for living that. So each week we've been looking at a, a, a life trap. And I should give a shout-out right now. The person who introduced me to this very topic and blew my mind uh, probably eight years ago was our very own Mark McAllister. So I give him big props for this. Um, and, and uh, you know, this concept of life traps, and we've gone through several already. Today I want to discuss, we name one each week, and, and we talk about the lie that it is kind of what it looks like or feels like so you can kind of self-diagnose a little bit, and then the truth that breaks you free from this snare, okay? So today's uh, life trap is the unrelenting standards life trap. It's called unrelenting standards. Now, some of you, as soon as you read that, you go, got it, just do the altar call. Um, uh, you know, I'm there. 
I don't know why our I think our city and our region for whatever reason it's a magnet. It's like it's a magnet for this life trap for people. It's like the 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 big light in the country with the bug zapper and for miles around all the bugs come. You know, just to get zapped, just to get, you know, to their own demise, they happily fly. And I think the capital region that we live in, it just, it draws people in, and you'll see why. But let's talk about it. The unrelenting standard life trap is the belief that what I've done and what I've accomplished in life is never good enough. It's never good enough. And I heard a person say, like this one time, they said, a person who has an unrelenting life trap, uh, unrelenting standards life trap, when you wake up in the morning, it's like you, everything you've ever accomplished was erased at midnight. And the slate is clean, and you must work to perform, work to accomplish, strive to achieve, starting fresh today. And some of you hear that, and it resonates, and you go, oh, okay, that's me. And I know some of our people over at our Tenley Town campus that are joining us are, are sensing that, that same thing, that, that this, this unrelenting standards life trap, never good enough. Never, and you could even take out the word good. Sometimes it's just never enough. Do more. Strive more. Attain more. Get better. You know, we're, we're, we're like that. I, I, I love this spirit, you know, the spirit of self-improvement, but we, we bring it to a point of dysfunction. Um, and so, and, and let me illustrate with this thought. This is kind of a pro tip for marriages and future marriages, and I think you'll easily agree that, you know, when you're having a conversation with someone and they're, and they're getting heated, they're getting frustrated. They're getting uh, annoyed. They're dialing it up. And you can see they're dialing it up, you know, whether this is at work or, you know, debating your favorite sports team or possibly having a discussion with your wife. Um, and in an effort to de-escalate the situation, you want to do something. You want to say something to kind of bring it back down to even. You want to help them. And maybe your word choice isn't perfect, but... And maybe your word <laughs> word choice, uh, it's to the point, um, but not helpful. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but if, if you've ever been in a situation like that where it's escalating, escalating, and all of a sudden you hear yourself tell them, relax. Have you ever done that? Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever told somebody who's escalating and dialing it up to relax? As as good as good intentioned as it is, telling a person to relax does not de-escalate the situation. It never has in the history of mankind. Telling someone who needs to relax to relax does nothing to relax them. It enrages them. In fact, uh, I don't think there's a more effective way to escalate a situation than to tell somebody who needs to de-escalate to relax. And uh, it's a it's it's somewhat of a mystery. Um, it, it, you know why are we talking about this? Relax. Well, today's life trap it ensnares you in a cycle of perpetual striving. It ensnares you in a in a cycle of perpetual just straining, and 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 just the need to relax, right? 
And today we're going to talk about how you can finally relax. Are you ready? So let, let's look at this statement. This is in your notes. Maybe we can put this on the screen with the team. But it says, <laughs> excuse me, the unrelenting standards life trap convinces you that what you want in life, love, value, acceptance, significance, can only be won or achieved by being the best, being near perfect, which means you have to constantly be improving, doing, striving, straining, winning, or you're a failure. That's the unrelenting standard life trap. Some of you now are getting that smirk on your face like, okay, it's true, I got it. That's the unrelenting standards life trap. Now, your inner thoughts, if this is, if this is a life trap, now, by the way, I think all the life traps, I think we, there's 11 or 12 of them. We've, we, we don't ever get through all of them when we do a series like this. But um, I, I think we could probably all say we have each of them in varying degrees. You know, maybe that one's like a, a two percenter. You know, this one's like a 40 percenter. This one's wh wherever you are on the spectrum. But this one, if, if it is present, it has a way of of feeding itself and getting bigger and it doesn't diminish over time if gone unchallenged it it runs wild and so your possible inner thoughts if you're wondering about this you're like well maybe i'm on the small end it even if you're on the small end of the spectrum and this is kind of not the biggest issue you're still going to want to relax and get some freedom from this because it will grow and so possible inner thoughts of this life tra trap, um, something like nothing I do is good enough. There's always room for improvement. I strive to keep everything in perfect order, even even to the point of appearance. I have to look the best uh, I, that, that I can at all times. Um, I, I have a lot to accomplish, so I, I have no time to relax. I deserve strong criticism when I make a mistake. Like, I deserve this. Strong, coach me hard. I deserve it because I, I, I got to get better because if I don't get better, I can't achieve more. If I don't achieve more, I can't get that thing which I'm striving for, which we'll get to. Another inner thought is I can be competitive, and, and it doesn't always exhibit competitive with others. Many times it's just this inward competitiveness with yourself. And so the primary feeling we're talking about as we – list these inner feelings is pressure that's the feeling the feeling is pressure it's stress and it, it's hard for you to magic word it's hard for you to relax right it's hard for you to relax and enjoy anything in fact in fact you you have mantras and and mottos and, and little little repeatables that you say that actually denigrate the concept of relaxation we'll sleep when we're dead you know, it's like, like, what? I'm sleeping tonight. <laughs> I might sleep this afternoon. Who knows? You know, you get to that stage of life, you're like, I might take a nap, right? But there's this almost like this, this pride in the storming the gates of achieving more. It's that, that primary feeling is there's pressure pushing you. You're always pushing to get ahead, pushing to get better. You know, school, work, sports, hobbies, even even meaningless matters of organization and cleaning. 
Listen, I'm, I can describe this one very well for a reason. There's a reason, like, we, this is the thing I noticed too. People who have the unrelenting standards life trap dominate. They do. They dominate. They win in life. But they lose in, in areas of peace, contentment, joy. What's amazing, though, is, see, the, when we talk about brokenness, you know, there's different kinds of brokenness. There's broken because the world has, has conformed you and fragmented you. But then there's a good kind of broken. It's that broken of, I'm yielding my life to the Lord. I'm br- I have a broken and a contrite spirit, meaning I'm not, re- I'm not resisting God. I'm not hard for Him to lead. I have a broken spirit that says, God, you know best, and so I want to follow your leading. We want this kind of brokenness with a commitment towards excellence because we love God. And because we want to do all things with excellence as unto him, you can still dominate and win in life with that drive without it driving you. See, this is driving you to get God to notice you. This is driving you because God already did notice you. And out of worship and praise to him, you're returning your gifts to him. You're returning your effort to him. You're returning your energy to him. So sometimes the results of a person who is under this mindset looks very similar to the results under this mindset. But their inner lives are totally different. Whew. Man, oh man, this is this is one will set you free. It, it 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 can result. So we what did we look at? Possible inner thoughts. Let's look at possible emotions that kind of stem from this life trap. You feel frustrated, irritated with yourself for not meeting your standards. Um, you feel chronically angry, have high levels of anxiety, even though you you deal with them in a very you're a functioning anxious person. Uh, because you've already made it your task. I'm going to feel stress and anxiety, but I'm going to get really good at it. I'm going to self-improve so nobody even knows I have stress. Somebody asked me about a month ago, like, how come you're never stressed or anxious? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And the next three or four weeks were the most stressful, anxious of my life. I don't know what happened. I was like, I think I just got good at masking it. I think I have been anxious and stressed. I just was covering it instead of letting... The, the cross cover it. So possible emotions. You feel frustrated. You feel chronically angry. How about this? You obsess about the last thing you did because it wasn't good enough. How about this? You obsess about the next thing you have to do because it needs to be perfect. Or you're overly aware of time and you feel a constant sense of time pressure. Just time. Just pressure. Oh, man, this is such a good one. How about your relationships? They suffer. Personal relationships suffer because you push yourself constantly. Your health suffers because you put yourself under so much pressure that you don't permit yourself to take the time for self-care, for working out, for even meal prepping or anything that you need to do because there's this time pressure. And as tired as you might get, instead of slowing down, you accelerate because I have to get better at handling this pressure. You take on more and more responsibility. So here's the trap. The trap is, and I put this in the notes in in three different headings, the trap is that you believe that one of the things you do is finally going to bring you satisfaction. It's like the next one. The The next hurdle will be the one that brings that satisfaction. Or the trap is that the way you approach everything 
makes genuine pleasure and contentment and satisfaction impossible. That's a trap. It makes it impossible. And the trap is that it, it, it induces you to believe that if you keep striving, you can actually achieve a state of accomplishment and fulfillment. But it's, it's, like the, it's like the carrot on the stick in front of the horse. It'll keep him going, but it'll never fill his stomach. It'll keep him striving and, and in forward motion, but he'll never have the contentment that comes. It's a, it's a drive to improve and get better that keeps you going. That's the trap. So even when things get too big for you, you drive yourself to improve, get better, but peace and contentment never come no matter the accomplishment, no matter the success. And, and that's how your life trap reinforces itself. It's how it grows and gets bigger. So what it is, is at your core, you're not comfortable unless you are striving. Like, that's the key. At your core, I'm not comfortable unless I'm uncomfortable. Striving, pushing, improving, assessing, inventorying reassessing, reinvesting, tear it all down, must re... Nope. It's a trap. At the core, I'm not comfortable unless I'm striving. I've... Think about the gospel of Jesus. Come to, come to me, all you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. This life trap flies under the radar looking like work ethic, looking like commitment, looking like achievement. But it's actually canceling out. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and take rest. It's I, I don't know how to take rest. You're telling me to relax? Excuse me? Did you just tell me to relax? We, we're uncomfortable with relaxation. We don't speak the language of relaxation because of this life trap. Uh, there's, there's three possible origins of this life trap in the interest of time. Well, are you okay if I do, like, maybe... Uh, I hate to have ten of you commit for all of you. Um, <laughs> sorry, Tenley Town. They're, they're exuberant over here, Tenley Town. Um, oh okay, very quickly. Origins. And, and by the way, I think origins get too much attention because it's like t you know trying to diagnose where it came from for me is not nearly as helpful as telling me how to walk out of this thing i'm not looking for someone to blame i'm looking for a door out of this right and so but if if you're still wondering like well how did this happen or as a parent i do find this helpful as a parent as i reflect so a few possible origins number one if your parents love for you was or was interpreted as conditional you meet high standards, I'll love you. You know, that will have a tendency to, to uh, introduce this life trap at an early age. Or maybe the, wor the, the, the more sinister side of that spectrum is if your parents have used shame or criticism when you failed to meet high expectations. Then that, w you know, there's obviously a big tie to this parentally. Um, number two, uh, another origin is if one or both of your parents are models of high standards. They're just successful people. Like if, if, if your parents were just very successful, um, maybe they were orderly and, and or, or, or maybe they were just high achieving. 
you learn your attitudes and behaviors and you see those are the standards and you impose those standards on yourself. So what I will say this, this is one of the most common generational life traps that is passed down. It's one of the most common ones that you give to, to your kids, um, either subtly or directly, because you achieved high, it communicated high standards to them, and then remember what we started. It's my responses to others' actions. So it's funny, because you can see kids in a, in a family, and one person sees their, their parents really achieving, and the kid is like, that's nice, <laughs> you know, cool. That's their response. The other kid is like, that's what I have to do in life. It's their response to observing the same thing. And so uh, either subtly or directly communicating those standards. So, and here's something interesting, too, I'll throw in. No one in the family, in a high-achieving family, no one in the family knows that the standards are high. They think those standards are normal. It's just normal living. So when you ask high-achieving people, like, why are your standards high? They don't know any other. That is the standard. Like, we're not doing anything unusual here. That's why life traps can be sneaky. Because they, they masquerade as normalcy. <laughs> it's dysfunctional living, but it's but it's what you knew, so it's home for you. So you just live in that thing and are perfectly comfortable in it. Number th three, the third origin is uh, unrelenting standards can can develop as a way to compensate for feelings of defectiveness or social exclusion or deprivation or failure. Basically, this life trap can be the result of having one of the other life traps. So it, it is a bit tricky because um, it helps you compensate for those other feelings, those big ticket items that you weren't provided for you as a child. And because those were missing, you came up with this one to get what you wanted, right? Trying to rise above childhood environments. You know, I felt inferior to peers, and so I had to compensate. Or I felt even uh, um, felt that my parents were inferior, so I have to compensate. That's a big one, too, by the way. So as a child, you found that praise for your accomplishments could make up somewhat for those other missing things. All right. A few, man, I just, there's so many good things to say. All right, let's get to this. A false pattern of belief leads to a false perception of success. And a false pattern of beliefs leads to a false perception of success. And it costs. It will cost you something. A few possible impacts that this has on your life. If you're if you're kind of in this life trap and don't get out of it, uh, your life feels like constant pressure. You you rarely stop. You rarely enjoy success. Your life seems to revolve around success and status and material things. Your health suffers uh, because of your out of whack priorities. You you lose touch with your basic self, and you no longer even know what really makes you happy. I'm telling you, you get down this road and you, you turn around and you're like, who, what is my base sense of self? What makes me happy? I don't know. What's next? Achieve. What's next? Strive and strain. Why? Because it's the only thing that, it's not even happiness, but it's the closest thing I got. You lose touch with your basic self. You rarely savor a sense of accomplishment. Instead, you simply go on the onto the ne next task waiting for you. Listen, I have a propensity to, to push hard. And our staff, we in introduce this thing we do at every staff meeting. We, we start every Monday morning with uh, right, wrong, missing, confusing. 
we just go through a list. You know, what was this week? What was right? What was wrong? What was missing? What was confusing? Now, the big ingredient for this for me is the first one. What was right? Because I, I got to live there a little more because I live with wrong, missing, and confusing. That's what my eye sees. I get to now fix it or improve myself to get better, to get beyond it. But you got to have something in your emotional makeup that says, what was right today? Like your self-talk saying, how was God good this week? Like I know there's 10 things that I could fixate on, but what if I start with the goodness of God, the provision of God, like the ways he has come through for me? So you, you rarely allow yourself that sense because you're just going on to the next thing or the negative thing. Uh, some other things that would impact you. The balance between work and pleasure feels lopsided or non-existent. There is no balance between work and pleasure. Too much of your energy goes into keeping your life in order. You spend too much time keeping lists, organizing your life, planning, cleaning, repairing, and not enough time or any time being creative or being present in the moment. Man, we could go on and on. I'm going to, let's get to the good stuff, all right? I, I think if you go to the app notes, you can pick up the rest. But I think, I think we have the gist. Let's, let's conclude with this. Two steps out of the unrelenting standards life trap. Two, two things, two truths that will help you get free from the lie of unrelenting standards. Remember, it's I'm not good enough, therefore I have to do the, have these responses. So number one, first truth, it's the same every week. So I hope you know it now. Start seeing a professional. Right? We're, we're, we're breaking old patterns. We're being renewed. Uh, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, which means we've got to start some new disciplines. And one of those disciplines, start seeing a professional. What do we mean? Get a counselor. Get a therapist. Get somebody in your life who, who does this. Remember, what you think is normal is not healthy. So that means it's time to, to wake up to, this, to what these unrelenting standards are costing you. High blood pressure, uh, anxiety disorders, sleepless nights. We're literally killing ourselves. We're literally killing ourselves. Professionals aren't just clinical. They're, they're exceedingly practical. They give you steps. They give you uh, exercises. They give you uh, pathways to start reinforcing the, that, that neural track that you've been running on where it's impossible. I have to be striving or I'm not happy. No, we need to forge some new patterns and some new pathways. And that takes some professional help. It takes very practical steps to overcome. And because it tends to become generational, this is this is not something you want to coexist with. You might say, well, I'm single. Like I'm Listen, this becomes generational. You don't want to coexist with this. Deal with it. And, and one of my, my favorite lines from this whole series is, if, if you need a counselor or therapy, you're not broken, you're smart. You're the right kind of broken. You're saying, God, heal me. Restore me. I want to get through this. So start something new, renewed by the renew, uh, transformed by the renewing of mind. Number one, start by seeing a professional. And number two, start a new pattern of belief. We do this every week. We say, well, here's the lie. Now, what's the truth? The lie is what I do is never good enough. It's a lie. But here's the truth. I can learn to live in God's grace. The life 
of improving and doing and striving and straining and winning, that is a very unrelaxed life. That is a very tough one. It's rooted in the thought, I must do, I must do, I must do. But who you are isn't a summary of your financials, your professional accolades, your accomplishments. The lie of this life trap is very tied up in human effort. And the truth is, our hope is not in the product of our effort. My hope is not in the product of, of my work product. My hope is in God. My hope is in His grace. My hope is in His unmerited favor. Works. You know, a works mentality, a works mindset is me getting and earning what I need. But a grace mindset, transformed by the renewing, you th we need a grace mindset. The works mindset says, go more, do more. It's not enough. Keep going. Late, more time, more effort. Okay. It's human effort, works mentality, but the grace mentality is God's giving me what I need. God's gifted me what I need. God supplies all my needs. And he, how about this revolutionary thought? I need God's grace because I'm not perfect. I'm not good enough, and I'm totally okay with that. I'm absolutely okay that he is good, and I'm not so good. He's perfect, and I'll probably never, well, maybe, no, I won't ever be perfect, right? Just accepting the grace of God. We're getting minded, like my mindset, getting minded. Get it, get it, get it, get it, getting minded. Getting minded, always trying to get. Renew your mind. Instead, we can be responding minded. We can be receiving minded. That's a grace mindset. So I'll close with this verse, Matthew 6, verse 31. Matthew says, this is the paraphrase of the message, or the, the, the message paraphrase. It says, what I'm trying to do here is to get you, say it with me, to relax. Let's do it again. What I'm trying to do here, Matthew, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. It says when I'm preoccupied with the getting and the working and the striving and the straining, I, I'm no longer able to open-handed stand in a posture of receiving and just taking what God is giving. It says so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way He works, they fuss over things. But you know both God and you know how he works. Steep your life in God reality, in God initiative, in God provision. And don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Why? Because God is giving. God is giving. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what? may or may not happen tomorrow, God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. But don't worry about missing out. Don't be getting minded. Be in a position to respond to what God's given. How do I relax? You know, 
we started with it. Relax. You've escalated me. No. God, I'm not going to be preoccupied with getting. I'm not going to be preoccupied with impressing or amassing or improving. Instead, I'm going to respond to God's grace. I'm going to respond to God's giving. Grace, by definition, is the unmerited, unearned love and favor of God. It's unmerited. It's unearned. It's a free gift of his love and favor. So I live in grace so I don't fuss over these other things. I live in grace so I don't worry about missing out. I live in grace so I know I'm loved. I live in grace so I know I'm accepted. I live in grace so I know I'm cherished. I live in grace so I know I'm provided for. I live in grace so I know I'm blessed. Come on, I live in grace so I know that I'm uh, I'm favored by God and he's walking before me so I can relax. I haven't missed a thing. Amen? We walk into the truth of God's word and say, all right, God, you can have this back corner. I've kept the door shut. I filled it with a lot of accomplishments. But the mindset that it's brought me I'm not happy unless I'm striving. I'm not happy unless I'm straining. The very nature of the gospel is rest in Him. Would you close your eyes at our Tenley Town campus here in the room, online camp, wherever you are today. Just close your eyes, no moving about or distracting. Father, we just give you a moment in this room to work as you've already been working, to create a, a moment that becomes a memorial to us going free and us getting out of this trap and taking that first step. And we know it's going to be a process. We know we're going to need help to, to, and accountability and practical insights and, and how to walk completely free. But God, we take this first step today out of this life trap and we step into your grace. The unearned, unmerited favor and love of God. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that because of your grace, we don't have to earn it. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to strive. You're not the Father who looks at us and says, not quite good enough. Try again. Not quite there yet, son or daughter. You'll have to do it again. For your word says there was a standard, and there is a standard. Your word says, be holy even as you are holy. But you also revealed that that standard is a standard that only God can fill. And when Jesus Christ, perfect, sinless, holy, surrendered his life on the cross and died for us, he became the complete satisfaction of our holiness. He became the satisfaction of that that thing, that standard that we would never be able to achieve on our own if we worked for it. But it's a standard we fulfill if we just receive it. The unmerited, unearned favor and grace of God that I am forgiven, that I am set free, that I am enough, that I am accepted, that I am loved, that I can be transformed by the renewing of my mind to walk out of this trap Father, I just pray for every person that is uh, in this room and responding to this message and listening to this, this call to say, 
by grace alone. Just say that with me, by grace alone. By grace alone. It's not by works. It's not by straining and striving. It's by, say it with me, by grace alone. Father, we receive your grace. With every eye closed, I want to give an opportunity. You might be here today and you're hearing this message. You want this grace, this grace so amazing. This It's a free gift. Like, I don't have to work for it. I don't have to somehow achieve a certain status. It doesn't take a, a certain amount of Sundays I show up to get tenure. It's just, you're telling me that God loves me, died for me, forgives me, and all I have to do is receive it? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news. The good news is you can stop working for his favor. He's gifted it to you. You can stop working for his forgiveness. It's a gift he gives to you. And with every eye closed, I want to give an opportunity to say, I, I don't know if I've made that decision. I don't know if I have accepted and responded to the gift of the gospel. The good news that Jesus forgives me. Jesus changes me. And Jesus has a plan for me. I, I don't know that I've received that. Or maybe I have in the past, but I know I'm not walking in it. And I don't have a confidence in it. If that's you today, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to count to three. When I hit three, I'm going to invite you to lift your hand. By lifting your hand, you're saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need the grace of God, the unearned, unmerited favor of God. Are you ready? One, don't wait. Today is a day that God changes everything for you. Two, he loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. He takes you by the hand. Hands already going up. One, two, three. Say, yeah, that's me. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. You might be online. You're lifting your hand. You might be at another campus. You're lifting your hand. Praise God. I see that. That. Okay, I got you. Got you. Praise God. Anybody else say, include me. And I got you. Thank you. We're going to pray a prayer. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to call any attention to you, but I am going to pray a prayer of dedication and a prayer of surrender that we can all agree with today. And it's a new day for you. Anybody else say, yeah, include me in that prayer, Pastor. Praise God. Let's pray nice and loud all together. Dear Jesus, I give you my life because you first gave me yours. I love you, Jesus, because you love me first. And you have a plan for me. You have a purpose for me. You want to heal me. You want to transform me. You want to renew my mind. So, God, I surrender to you. I give you my life, who I was, who I used to be, who I hope to be. I put it all in your hands. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Now say this boldly. I am a Christian. By God's grace, I've been saved. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate with those who just prayed that prayer? Come on, what a powerful moment.